Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the mindset and physical transformation in health and fitness journey, or in the health and fitness journey. Today's guest is Alex Crado. Alex graduated from the University of Florida with a degree in exercise and sports science, later on opening Southland Strength Conditioning in 2008 in Miami, Florida. His primary focus is female general population training, athlete training, and power lifting. Alex, welcome to the show, bud. Thanks, Andy. Great to be here. Absolutely. So, Alex, I kind of know you, um, or I know you very well at this point, but for the listeners, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you're at today. So I actually grew up uh, playing baseball down here. That's actually where I um, played baseball at Sunset. Um, went to the University of Florida, had no clue of what I wanted to do. Actually was a chem major before I decided to major in exercise sports science. And then in, like you said, 2008, um, my brother-in-law, whose uh, team I was helping coach, my nephew's baseball team, came to me and said, hey, listen, I know you're into like working out and training people and all that stuff. So if you open up a gym, um, I'll bring all the kids to you. So I said, you know what? What the hell? Went and found a warehouse going month to month on the rent. And 12 years later, here I am. Wow. Okay. You know, you're the second person that is a chem major and then when nothing in the chem, chem uh, well, technically you want to talk about like nutrition, technically well, chemistry, but. The thing is like, I, I distinctly remember the, the day I decided it was not for me. Um, the guy across from me in my chem lab had all his things meticulously cleaned and organized and this and that. And my area looked like a disaster. And I was just like, you know what? I don't have the same passion he has for this. And I don't think I can work with a person like this for the next 40 years of my life. So I got to figure something else out. So you're like, I got to make a pivot very quickly. Yes. It was that day where it was like, sure. call, uh, email the, the, uh, academic advisor and be like, yeah, I'm done with this. Uh, can you point me in the right direction, please? That's awesome. Um, for the listeners, uh, the reason, or the way I know Alex is, um, He's one of the owners of the first gym that I uh, started working at or working in, brought my table in and they're like, yeah, sure. Hey, start working on our clients, you know, you know, however way we can help, uh, just let us know. And I think I was there, I want to say three years or more. I don't remember how many, but I know it was a good amount of time. Um, yeah. And yeah, they gave me my first shot. I I learned a whole bunch uh, or a whole bunch about uh, powerlifting, strength conditioning, especially the athletic population. Um and recently I went back, I usually try to go at least once or twice a year to go back and say hi to the guys. But recently I went back and had a great conversation with Alex. And I said, hold up, we got to do a podcast because this is not only is it um, valuable information, but it's a valuable experience um, that a lot of the listeners, um, whether you're a coach um, or an athlete um, or whatever uh, perspective you are in your journey, um, I think definitely you're going to get a lot of, uh, from his experience. And the experience I'm talking about and over the last year, more or less, how much weight did you lose, Alex? Uh, at my heaviest last year, I was right around the 245 to 250 mark. Um, okay. And then right now, I'm usually in between 205 to 209, 210, or 210, excuse me. So 250 to 210, that's at least 40 to 45 pounds, depending on 
which week and how much you're eating or whatever or not. Um, yeah. But that's that's at least 40 to 45 pounds in a year, right? More or less. Uh, if you include the getting going from not working out at all to starting to work out again, then yes, about a year's time. Okay. Talk to us a little bit of how you got to that point where you're like, all right, 250, that's it. And, and mind you, I've seen Alex um, and I thought he was just a big power lifter. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just felt like, okay, that's that's his size. Um, and then I saw him recently. I said, wow, you look good. You, It sounds like you like, or should I say, because sometimes sometimes people lose weight and they're just like, I don't know, how can I say that? They're just, if, they look like a raisin, right? They yeah. like They shrink but you can tell it's something that's not sustainable to him. But just talking to Alex, I said, wow, you can just see and feel the change uh, both mentally and physically. So anyways, so talk to us a little bit of the mindset or, or how you came to the point where you're like, all right, 250 is not me. And then I have to make a change. So I've always been really self-motivated. That's kind of my my thing. I'm not really physically gifted when it comes to lifting. I'm not very naturally strong. Mm-hmm. So my thing was always just being more mentally tough and and pushing myself as hard as I possibly could. So that's great when you're in your mid 20s, late 20s, even early 30s. But once you get into your mid 30s, late 30s, uh, that can kind of get you into trouble. So what actually happened with me is I got hurt and I actually contacted you mm-hmm. probably right around 2016 because that was the last time I had competed. So this is probably early 2017. Um, and the getting injured and trying to come back too quick and getting injured and trying to come back too quick, it really took a toll on me mentally. And to be quite honest with you, I, I kind of just gave up and let go. I mean, that was the thing. I just, it, it felt a lot like after I finished playing baseball in high school, where it was like, I did all of this for a certain reason and now I don't have that anymore. So I just don't feel like doing it anymore. And I essentially stopped, I quit lifting. I started just eating whatever I felt like eating. And I did that for a good part of two years. So right around the start of 2019, it was just a, it was my proverbial come to Jesus moment. You know, I looked in the mirror and I was like, okay, you're, you're disgusting. You don't, you don't look like you're in shape. You don't look like you own a gym. You don't look like you lift. Like you just look like a fat slob. So that was when I decided, okay, I got to make a change here. So I started lifting again. um, And when I started lifting again, it was primarily just doing the things that I had not done for the longest time. So I, I started doing arms. I started doing like just bodybuilding stuff. And because I had been powerlifting for so long, just the thought of getting back into the squatting and the deadlifting was just not going to make me want to work out. So having the workouts be fun again actually made me enjoy it and made me want to do the workouts three days a week. So my first goal was to just start working out again, which took me a few resets here and there. But for the most part, I began lifting three days a week. Then I got to a point where I got back down to my Uh, competition weight, which was 230, 235. That's usually where I used to walk around at. But I still wasn't happy with myself. I still thought to myself, you know what, I I don't look good. I don't look the way I want to look. So and like I told you at the gym the other day, 
um, I had my second come to Jesus moment where I looked in the mirror one night and I was really down on myself and just didn't like what I saw. But the thing is, looking within myself, it was like I have all the tools at my disposal to look better. I own a gym. I can work out whenever I want. I have a pretty decent grasp on nutrition and how to lose weight. I'm just choosing not to do it. And that was kind of my my moment of, okay, you know, you, I always tell my clients, it's like it's a fork in the road. You can choose to go one way or you can choose to go the other. And it's that simple. So for me, it was just a listen. My inner monologue was telling me, look, either make a change or shut up about it and just roll with what you got. So that's kind of when I decided to uh, that night, actually, this is probably like I'm, I'm a night owl, so I always go to bed super late. But that night I sat in front of my computer, figured out how many calories I needed, figured out a grocery list, figured out how much I would be spending on food per month, figured everything out that night. The next day I went to the grocery store, bought everything, and then just from there, everything rolled on. So the, the, one of the first things is you didn't really, you, you saw the potential in yourself, but as you looked in the mirror, you're like, there's no way I'm getting to that point um, with where I'm at right now. So you're like, I got I to gotta create a change. But you started, and one of the things that, and I think some people that, that are listening might think, well, that sounds simple and that sounds too easy. But in reality, that's, I mean, it's a lot of work, but I mean, really the steps are kind of pretty much the same for for most people. But you started with, hey, let me just move. Let me just train. Let me make it fun. I think for a lot of people, um, usually, you know, when they get to this point where they want to train, right, January 1st, you know, the yeah. where everything changes and people want to really start to get back into it. But um, one of the things we talked about is some people try to go way too quick or try to do too much too soon. And they end up getting burnt out. Something which you alluded to where you're like, I'm not going to go back to powerlifting, um, even though that's kind of what's around me, what I've been used to. I'm going to go to something that is um, and right now what I feel is something a little easier or something more, uh, I guess, convenient or faster for me to kind of get into and be consistent with. Right. Um, I think a lot of times, like, like we spoke about, a lot of times people try to jump the gun of trying to do to, to, trying to do too much. Um, rather than creating consistency, it's kind of like what I heard in your first goal, just stay consistent with what I'm doing with what my training is. Absolutely. hundred percent. The it, consistency is by far the most important thing. And when I say by far, I mean, it's, it's not even close. Like I can write the best program in the world. I can write the best diet in the world. If my clients aren't willing to follow it or they can't follow it, they're not going to do it. So it doesn't matter how good the program is. You have to be able to do something that you you are willing to stick with. So one of the things that that I did, and and to um, going back to something that you said um, a little bit a little while ago, you know, I thought getting down to 205 was a pipe dream. I mean, it, it's I hadn't been 205 since I graduated high school, and I'm 37 years old, so that's 19 years ago that I was 205 pounds. So I thought there's no, just no possible way. So what I did was I set up small attainable goals and gave myself a somewhat of a soft deadline to meet those goals. So one of the first things I did once I got down to 231 was say, okay, well, now that I'm 231 and I'm eating right, why don't I get to 220? 
because I always felt like I, I looked and felt the best at 220. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I got there. All right, what's the next goal? The next goal was only 217. And it was 217 because that was the that was the lightest I had been since we had moved into the, the gym we're currently at. Okay, got to 217. What's the next goal? The next goal was 211. And 211 was the lightest I'd been since college. Once I got there, I was like, okay, I've already come all the way from 245 down to 211. What's another six pounds to get to 205? That weight I thought was completely unattainable. And then once I got there, it was like, oh, okay, well, it really wasn't that hard. The hard part is being consistent. The hard part is not, you know, getting started or anything like that. It's just sticking to the plan that you set out for yourself. And I, and I, that was another, another thing that you mentioned before too, you know, making the workouts fun and starting at an appropriate difficulty. Had I started powerlifting right off the bat again, that's what happened each time I quit before I started powerlifting right off the bat. And I just wasn't willing to put in that amount of effort into my training at that point. So I would get burned out within two weeks and then I would stop and then it would just be this cycle all over again. Then it would be dreading going back to working out because I knew how sore my legs were going to be or I knew how sore my upper body was going to be and it just made things miserable. So once I started doing stuff that I enjoyed, it was like, oh, okay, I don't care that I'm sore because I'm having fun doing this. Mentally, how did you stay consistent? So other than knowing that you, you know, start small, you do something that you like and stay consistent with it, um, like day in and day out, especially starting, starting, starting up again, it's a little easier. I would say probably, I know for me in the, in the past that usually like the first week, you're kind of like all gun ho. And then second week, you're like, oh God, third week, you're like, um, you're, you're making all the excuses or maybe even before that. What are some mental things or, or um, I guess, yeah, I would say mentally, what, what kept you mentally in it? So my biggest thing and my, uh, each time that I tried dieting before, I would always quit the second time I would have to go back to the grocery store Mm. because it was like, I just don't want to go grocery shopping. And every time that I would start the diet up, I would give myself a reason. I would create a reason why I couldn't do it. The food's too expensive. I don't want to eat leftovers. I don't feel like going grocery shopping. I don't feel like, you know, taking the time to cook. It just, I would give myself an out. So, when I decided that I was going to uh, basically see this weight loss through, that second time I had to go to the grocery store, I distinctly remember I was leaving the gym at about this time. And I, I said to myself, you know what? I'll just go tomorrow. What's the big deal? I'll just eat whatever I have at the house that we have leftovers. So I'll eat whatever's at the house and I'll go tomorrow. And right then and there, it was like, Absolutely not. Absolutely not because that just opens the door to start making more excuses and to allow yourself to slip away from the program. And and that, again, goes back to the whole thing with consistency is just being consistent, especially like the one of the things I tell my clients all the time. And I think this is a really important point is that when, when you're just starting out either a diet or an exercise program or anything like that. You are replacing a bad habit with a good habit. That takes time. And within the first 
three weeks or so, you're going to have to be mentally tough and tell yourself, no, either no more food or you got to get up off the couch and get to the gym. Like you have to be able to just tell yourself, get up and go do it. And that's why it's so important to, to make things achievable when you first start. After that point, after that first three weeks or so, once those positive results start rolling in, that becomes the motivation. So it starts snowballing in a positive direction. And then all of a sudden, it's just part of your everyday routine. Like it doesn't matter that everybody is going out to eat. You have your food. And the reason why you don't want to go out to eat is because you've already lost 15 pounds doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So all that positive feedback that you've been getting from everybody, that becomes the motivating factor to keep doing what you're doing. So that that fleeting moment of pleasure that you get from having that cheat meal or missing that workout, like that laziness from missing one workout, it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Like it's just do- it doesn't enter into the equation because everything that you've been now working for for presumably a month or two months, three months, like you're you're seeing the benefits of it. So for me, it just didn't even register to. And and I told you this at the gym, like. I started my my actual real diet through the holidays. So at this time last year, I was dieting. And I told myself the only cheat day I was allowed to have would be my birthday, which is in early January. I was allowed one slice of birthday cake because it was my birthday. My mom would have killed me had I not had any cake. But that was it. After that, right back on the diet. And um, just to make a, a quick point, as an aside to that, I also feel a lot of people get sidetracked by having, you know, I had a bad day or, you know, I ate a bad meal or whatever. So what? I mean, you fall off the, you fall off the wagon, you get right back on. Like you don't, you don't allow that. You don't allow negative things to snowball out of control. And I I address this with my clients all the time because they'll always come to, you know, a lot of the younger ones, they'll come to me and like, Oh my God, I was, uh, I had so much to eat on the weekend and I drank and my response to them is, so what? So what are you doing about that today? Like, yeah, you had like Saturday isn't Saturday doesn't bleed into Sunday, doesn't bleed into Monday, doesn't bleed in. It's, you know, it's the, oh, I've already missed a couple days this week. I'll start again on Monday. Absolutely not. You miss days. Even if you start on Friday, you start again, you get right back on where you left off. And that's how, again, you maintain consistency to achieve whatever it is you're looking to achieve. Yeah, you said, uh, I mean, just a whole mi- a whole bunch of nuggets there. And I'm going to start off with what you said as far as bad habit versus good habit. I'm a big believer in in that mindset and how you deal with that as a big part of it. But also we're changing behavior. You know, whether you're talking about nutritional um, habits or we're talking about training habits, those are things we're trying to change in order to improve. It's just that's the only way, right? Um, and I talked about, I think I mentioned it to you when we were at the gym talking, is I forgot where I heard it. I think it was either another podcast or I forgot where I heard it, but it was a great analogy where it said, if it takes you 10 years to walk into a, a forest, it's going to take you 10 years to walk out. Obviously, 10 years or the, or the number of years that it takes you to go in there doesn't necessarily, and, and it doesn't necessarily matter. It just talks about that if it took you the amount of time to get you to where you are now, let's say you're a 25-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, it's probably going to take you a good amount of time, maybe not 30 years, but it's going to take you a good amount of time to start to change those habits because just as easy as bad habits are ingrained, you can also ingrain uh, good habits. 
But one of the things that Alex talked about is uh, the no, right? Setting barriers to yourself and setting guidelines to yourself. Um, they don't necessarily have to be super strict or super um, kind of like authoritative, right? They can be somewhat lenient. And as you start to build more progress, you know, they, be, they you can restrict them more. But the word that came out to me when uh, Alex talked about that was self-discipline, right? And I talked about this in, in one of my articles is the, the role of motivation and self-discipline. I'm a big believer that motivation kind of gets you to the point, right? Kind of like how Alex explained, um, he was motivated enough to make a change in his life, um, to make a change in his health and his in his training and his in his health as well. Um, but that only lasts so far. Like Alex is mentioning, the first three weeks kind of starts to work your way to the point where you're building this self discipline, and you start to build these good habits that start to roll on and becomes easier. It's almost like brushing your teeth or taking a shower, right? You really don't necessarily have to think about that. Most people actually, <laughs> if, you're any, if you're anything like me, I'm still kind of sleeping when I'm brushing my teeth. I'm still waking up at that point. But no, I don't have to set an alarm or I don't have to set up like a, a, a what is it, a, like a note on my mirror to say, hey, brush up, brush down to the side. You know, I don't, there, there doesn't have to be a reminder to that point. Um, so a big thing that kind of stood out to me is behavior and self-discipline. So you're trying to ingrain good behavior, right? And good is relative, right? If you talk to one person, they'll say this is good. And if you talk to another person, they'll say that's good. But in the sense of what we're working on here, right, as far as health and fitness and nutritional side, the training side, we're trying to make good habits. And, and we like we talked about earlier and Alice mentioned is make it easy, stay moving, um, work on things uh, or like he mentioned, small goals, right? It can go from instead of thinking about bigger picture all uh, right off the bat, right? Going from trying to lose 50 pounds automatically, go to zero to 10 and then 20 and then see how you feel and then work your way down um, or build a little bit of muscle, which in the case you're almost going to increase weight, but you're going to look better because and feel better because it's muscle. It's not necessarily fat. But one of the biggest things that I saw here, like I said, it was the behavior and the self-discipline. One of the things that it's a big driver here. And if you, if you work those things, um, and that's one of the biggest things that I got from Alex's conversation is if, if we look at behavior and how we approach those things and we look at how we are disciplined and building those things, everything else kind of follows in line, right? Like uh, Alex mentioned is it's not necessarily the perfect program or perfect diet or perfect nutritional plan is getting a good one, sticking to it and making sure that you're pivoting when you need to. And another thing that he mentioned, um, which is a big thing, which is actually the next question I have, was the um, your bad day. What happens when shit hits the fan? Sorry, pardon my uh, French, right? When shit hits the fan and things become difficult because this is life, right? Kids are going to school, you know, or school's back or whatever it is. And, you know, t your time management goes out the window or you're in a holiday meal and you eat what, whatever it is that you eat. Maybe the entire plate, the whole table. I don't know. Um, but what happens then? And I think Alex mentioned a very important thing where he says, all right, cool. You did that. Now, what are you doing? And, and I've, I've seen this with clients where, um, whether if we're talking about rehab, right, where, oh, like I did this and, um, it, it bothers me or now I call it discomfort. Okay, cool. We've learned from that. Let's now prioritize whenever we do that movement, let's reduce range of motion or whatever it is. Or if we're talking about, um, you know, nutritional plan. Okay, you know, I, I messed up um, on Tuesday. All right, I'm going to start on next Monday again because this week is already down the, the chute. 
why? Why not just start that Tuesday night or the next meal like Alex mentioned? I think one of the biggest things as far as behavior is we tend to fold under the challenge, right? When things get uncomfortable, we tend to kind of fold way too easy. But I think one of the things that Alex mentioned as well is not having to wait to the next day to 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 bounce back, right? You can bounce back that next moment, that next rep, that next uh, meal. Um, and if it's already the next day, you start off that next day at, as the best of your abilities. So um, it, it, again, biggest thing I saw right now was behavior and self-discipline. Because at the end of the day, if you can change the behaviors that, that um, got you to where you are, then you can make these bigger changes moving forward, whether whatever aspect in your life. Um, are there any other things, Alex, that you that you've seen other than the uh, like we talked about the good habits versus bad habits, the the jumping back from failure that can help somebody dealing with this type of pressure, whether it come from food or training or mindset wise, anything else that you find or maybe within the last year or so that you've seen in your own journey that has helped. So two two points I want to make. Uh, one being. One of the biggest things also is just accountability. And for the most part, when you are going off on an endeavor like this, really the only person you're accountable to is yourself. And this is actually something I feel that ex-athletes struggle with the most. It's the guys who used to play sports that got heavy who really don't have the discipline to lose the weight. And that's simply because – your whole life was dictated by your sport that you played. I get up at this time. I go to, you know, I go to the workout early. Then I go to class. Then I go to practice. Then I got to do homework. Like there's this external uh, accountability from a coach or from someone that forces you to do everything. Once you're off on your own, you're free to do whatever you want. So if you're not accountable to yourself and you don't have the discipline to be accountable to yourself, you're going to struggle with um, losing weight. And I think that that's a, a big thing that people need to come to grips with. It's that I'm, you're an adult. Like, and, and I've made this point plenty of times to a lot of my clients. Like, your mom or your dad doesn't do the airplane and stick the spoon in your mouth anymore. Like, you're choosing what you want to eat and you're choosing – if you don't want to go to the gym, it's all choices that you're making. So if you're not accountable to anybody, anybody, excuse me, anybody, then the only person left is being accountable to yourself. And that was a big thing for me. And that's why in the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned that inner monologue that I was having with myself, that it was just, that was me being accountable to myself. If you're not going to be accountable, don't even bother. And then the the second point I want to make is that people need to really uh, distinguish between doing nothing, doing something that's the best of a bad situation, and doing what's optimal. And this is another point I try to hammer home with a lot of my clients. It's that something is always better than nothing, and optimal is always better than something. But just because you have to eat, let's say you have to eat out, okay? You don't have to eat everything in sight. You can have something that's relatively close to what you normally eat on your diet. Is it the optimal thing? No. 
should you be at home cooking your meals? Sure. But the reality is that's not the situation that everybody can have every single time. And and this goes back to what I was saying before. Like I'm a single guy. You know, I don't have kids. I own a gym. So a lot of these variables I don't have to worry about. So there is leeway there for people who have families or, you know, have jobs where they're on the road a lot. You know, you can make good choices. It's just just because something isn't optimal doesn't mean it's not worth doing. And it's this is a I'm sure you've dealt with this quite a bit, Andy, where you'll give someone a rehab protocol for them to do on their own. And they think, well, if I can't do the entire thing he gave me, oh, then I guess I just won't do it. It's like, no, do as much as you can, because something is always better than nothing. And I think people really have to understand that, you know, going back to what I was saying before, you have a bad day. So what? Everybody has bad days. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody is going to eventually break their diet or get peer pressured into having that donut at the office. So what? You know, have the have the donut, realize you, you messed up, but then jump right back on right after that. The very next meal is your is your the very next meal is your next opportunity to correct the mistake. And if one of the uh, one of the people on YouTube who I used to watch quite often, he's actually a his name's Wes Watson. He's like a fitness motivational guy. He's a he was a felon in the California uh, penal system, but one of the things that he always talked about was stacking W's, stacking W's. Every single day that you work out, you stack that W. And you just start stacking your W's so high that one L doesn't make a difference. And that's kind of how the mindset that I had and kind of how I looked at it as I was going through this. Every good meal was a win. Every day at the gym was a win. So by the time I was three months in, four months in, I had had so many good days and so many positive things go on that if I missed a workout, well, so what? It doesn't matter at this point because I've already had 50 good ones. I had one bad meal. So what? I've already had 500 good ones. So at, at that point, you know, not that I got off course, but the the negative uh, repercussions of having a bad meal or missing a workout were not nearly as severe as if it was in, again, the first three weeks. In the first three weeks, you're only, you know, nine workouts was my total. So it was like, all right, if I, if I miss one, that's what, 12%. So you, you can't like, that's an unacceptable failure rate. But four months in, if I miss one or two, well, that that failure rate's maybe at 1% at that point, 2%. So that, again, is it optimal? No. Optimal would be work out every time you're supposed to. But if I had to do something that day or, you know, like today, I have to do, I had to do a podcast. So I have to miss a workout. All right, big deal. Been working out now for five months straight, four days a week. So at this point, it really doesn't make that big of a difference. I mean... First of all, the accountability aspect, like you mentioned, I think is huge. Um, if you're not working with somebody, um, having that self-motivation uh, or having that, and I wouldn't say self-motivation, but having that, um, 
inner monologue like Alex mentioned or things or systems in place for you to stay accountable, whether it's like check marking on the calendar when you do something or, you know, logging it in somewhere, something that keeps you accountable or sometimes actually like I do, I do um, or I post it on Facebook or I post a video, no caption or anything like that, just something where it keeps me accountable. Um, and also I get to see progress on those things. But I think accountability is huge, 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 huge. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you kind of like you mentioned, Alex, uh, you know, especially myself coming from a sports background, you always had practice to go to or a game to prepare for or, you know, teammates to kind of because if you didn't do good, then the team didn't do well. And then you kind of, you know, you, you were trying to not only work on yourself, but you were working on yourself for a bigger cause. Um, and that in itself is like one of the biggest accountability measures of all time. But um, yeah, accountability is definitely, definitely important. Um, and it's hard to come by. And I think sometimes people don't have the willpower to keep themselves accountable. And I think, actually, let's make that a question. If someone, no, that's not a good question. Um, <laughs> how important is it to have a coach to help you along the way? I mean, to be quite honest with you, I think it's extremely important. And I, I say this as maybe somewhat of a biased opinion since I'm in this industry, but you no coach worth his or her salt is an expert in everything. Mm -hmm. Coaches are experts in their particular field of expertise. Okay. The same as you wouldn't go to a neurosurgeon. If you needed to have surgery done on your foot, you don't go to a strength coach. If you want to have, rehab work done, or you want to have uh, nutritional, uh, very in-depth nutritional advice done. Like, can these people help you? Absolutely. Like my area that I feel is, is my area of expertise would be what we mentioned earlier, female general population training, powerlifting athlete training. Those are the things that I feel most comfortable getting very in-depth with. Nutritional information, I have a good understanding of it, but I am by no means an expert. So can I get someone who is somewhat out of shape, in shape? Absolutely. Can I get someone that is getting ready for a bodybuilding show in shape? That's probably outside of my uh, area or as my chemistry teacher in high school used to say, that's beyond the scope of this course. So same as I wouldn't, if I had someone that needed uh, soft tissue work done or massage therapy done, I'm not going to do that on them myself. I'm going to send them to you because that's your area of expertise. So getting back to your original question about how important is it to have a coach, it's, it's extremely important because the coach is who keeps you accountable. However, again, we're all adults here. So I can only keep you accountable to a certain extent. I can only tell you what to do. This is the this is literally the scene from the Matrix where it's if you want to take the blue pill or the red pill. Like I can only show you the way to go. I can't force you down that path. Will I help you each step of the way if I see that you're willing to take the tough road? Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. That's why you're paying me. But am I going to push you? And be your cheerleader and be okay with you not following my directive, that's probably not going to happen. So going back to what we were talking about before with self-accountability, uh, 
that I feel is the key because if you are accountable to yourself, everything else just enhances that. Your coach enhances that. Anybody you work with enhances that. Like all the positive reinforcement enhances that versus if you're, you know, you're telling your coach that, yeah, you know, I ate well on the weekends when in reality you're lying or you're like, oh yeah, no. Or for instance, I have, I've had a few clients who tell me they're desperate to lose weight. They're desperate to make changes to their body. They're desperate, blah, 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 blah. And they'll skip sets. They'll miss days. And it's like, I mean, I, I can't, why, why should I care more about your goals than you do? And this is something I, every single one of my clients will tell you, I say to them constantly, the moment I think I care more about how you look than you do, I'm out. But if you're willing to put in that work and you're willing to sacrifice and you're willing to be accountable for yourself, I will do everything in my power to help you out. And I feel like that is like, I I will give you every bit of information I can. I will do everything I can to help you because if I see that you're willing to put in the work and that you're accountable to yourself, I know all of my effort is going to go to something and create something positive. If I see that all my effort and all my work is just not even appreciated, then forget it. It's not even worth it. And those are the clients, unfortunately, that you just have to say, you know what? It may be best if you go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you make... So that was a simple question, but you went in deep. So I appreciate that. Um, no problem. Um, yeah, now that I realize there's two aspects of accountability, right? Where you mentioned self-accountability and then someone else holding you accountable. But just hearing you speak, I was like, wow, that's true. It can be, accountability can be stronger coming from somebody else than it coming from you. Because like you mentioned, you know, as a facilitator, usually what I call myself, right? I facilitate someone's rehab or health or whatever. Or as a coach, I'm helping somebody move better or whatnot. But if that person's not putting in the work, whether with me or in the gym or whatever, um, or behind the scenes, which is also very important, right? Sleep, all those things, uh, nutritional choices, all those things. Then it really, then how accountable are you being? Because just showing up isn't enough. You have to show up, put in the work. And like Alex mentioned, there's realistic or... I don't remember exactly what you said, but there's realistic, there's optimal, right? And there's perfect. Mostly right. going to be perfect. Optimal is optimal. And then realistic, you know, if you're having a bad day that day, maybe you're not giving 100%, but 80% is still pretty darn good if you're being intentional with those things. Like Alex mentioned, not missing sets, all those things. We're human. It's not like you're going to come to a session or a, a training uh, day and, no, you got to follow it to the T. Is Are there, you know, benefits to following the program as is? Absolutely. But, you know, it's a do or die if you, you know, deviate just a little bit. No. Um, but now that I realize that question had two parts to it, right? There's self-accountability, which is important, which is has to be part of it. Because if there's no self-accountability, having accountability or having a, or hiring a coach or, or working with a coach is almost a waste of money. Because then you're just throwing money for someone to try to push you to do something. And where something something where you don't feel like is 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 important. Um, well, so, excuse me, Andy, yeah, but yeah. that that would be you're hiring a coach for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. Then that would be you're hiring a coach not for his expertise or her expertise, not for the progress you've seen them make with their clients or anything. You're just hiring a coach to be your own personal self motivator, mm. and that 
I mean, at least speaking for myself, that's not what I, what I do. I, I'm not a, I'm not Tony Robbins. I'm not here to stand in front of you and, and make you motivated. So yeah, definitely having a coach is important. Um, or is that piece of the puzzle? There's some people that don't work with coaches or maybe don't work with them as frequently. They have their own, you know, maybe once a month or whatever it is. And some people, you know, have enough drive and, you know, organization skills and, you know, maybe have a good amount of knowledge where they can buy a program and just follow themselves. Um, but there is a time where a co- having, having a coach and hiring a coach um, is definitely, um, what's the word? Um beneficial but even hiring that coach doesn't guarantee results it doesn't guarantee um doesn't guarantee anything it just gives you the opportunity to have somebody there to answer questions to guide you to facilitate at the end, at the end of the day you got to put in the work you have to stay disciplined you have to stay consistent right you have to make good habits or change bad habits into good habits and make good choices which is the next component that alex mentioned is choices the blue pill or the red pill right mm-hmm. Which is super important. Like Alex mentioned, you know, if you're uh, going out to heat or whatever it is, it's not to say that you're going to be a hermit and can't leave until you lose the amount of weight. That's not realistic. We want to make sure that it's sustainable. But you still have choices to make. Pretty much in every menu, there's like a healthier choice <laughs> or um, amount, right? Maybe you go to a restaurant where it's just like bombard you with food. doesn't mean you have to eat everything. Grandma's not there telling you um, you have to eat it all, you know? I, I remember growing up and they said, as much food as on the plate, you got to eat it all, right? Hmm. Um, but like Alex said, we're all adults here. Um, so you are trying to make better choices. Might not be perfect, but better choices. And if you make not just not, if you make not such a good choice, your next choice could be better. And you're starting to stack up wins, which is such a great analogy um, that that Alex had mentioned to me. I'm mean, like stacking wins, yes, stacking W's, which makes sense, right? Because if we are we're not going to be perfect. And I think that's one of the things that I talk about all the time. And I try to be as simple as possible when I talk about um, anything, especially when I work with people. I try to keep it simple because that's really what works for me, not only as as a coach, um, as a therapist, but I find that keeping it simple is probably the best thing that you can do for yourself. Because as soon as you start to keep it, you make it too complex, it just becomes, you give yourself more excuses to, um, to not do it. But keeping it simple, do good and stack them up. If you ever do bad or you make those bad choices, you made such good. You've made so many good choices up to that point that it doesn't really like, uh, like Alex mentioned, it's like one percent of everything else. Now, if you're making like good choices and then six bad choices and a couple good choices and it's outweighing like bad choices are outweighing good choices, then that's where you start to see what your what your behavior is like, what your discipline is like, and that's where you have to make changes. Um, but I like that analogy a lot, Alex. I know you mentioned to me that day uh, we talked about the gym. I think it was last week. Um, stacking wins. I said, yes. And it's, it's, again, these are things, all this is fairly easy to talk about, right? We're not saying that, hey, do this five-step plan and you are going to lose uh, 45 pounds like Alex did in a year. No, that's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is you're human. And what we are saying is if you want to achieve something is, it's not as, um, what's the word, mystical as like the Instagram influencer wants you to or wants to make you believe or those ads with the shaky machines to burn the fat out of your belly. It's, it's, it's not that ridiculous. It's hard, absolutely. 
is challenging 100%. Are you going to are you going to have some difficulty? Absolutely. But that's part of what makes you that's part of the transformation, right? Because if it's easy, one such a cliche, everyone will do it, right? But also if it was easy, you wouldn't be grateful at the end of the road, right? Um I guess it's an assumption, but I can only assume after a year, it doesn't matter all the trouble and all the choices that Alex had to make. I'm sure he's grateful for the struggle that he was able to, or he was, or he needed to bypass. Because now at this point, those struggles are now teachable moments, not only for him, but also for his clients. So, and another cliche, right? Pressure makes a diamond or diamonds made under pressure. However that saying goes, the idea is, no, this is not an easy path, but it doesn't have to be super complicated, which most of the time, if you talk to people who have been successful, whether in health and fitness or business or whatever, you talk to them and usually say, wait, that's it? Like, that's all you have to do? And I remember Alex talking to me and he was like, yeah, my clients are like, wait, that's no, no, that's that's bullcrap. There had to be other things that you had to do. And and what was it that you said to them, Alex? Like, It's, well, to paraphrase i mean it's 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 very very simple in concept but the execution is the hard part and the analogy i think i used with with uh, when we were talking is is climbing the mountain you know it's climbing the mountain is not the hard part Mm -hmm. the hard part because you know where to go you know just to keep walking forward the hard part is looking up and seeing that gigantic thing in front of you and saying okay i got to go from all the way down here to all the way up there and the only way you can do that is by chopping it up into short manageable spurts and that's kind of the the way i looked at it back when when i i originally wanted to lose weight because like i like i said i thought getting down to 205 was impossible if, if you would have talked to me at this time last year and said, Alex, could you get to be 200 pounds? I would have said, you're out of your mind. I haven't been 200 pounds since I was a teenager. I was probably 200 pounds as a sophomore in high school. So I was the fat kid growing up. So th- there's just no way. It's impossible. But slowly but surely, it chopped down that tree. And, and I was like, man, it's right there. And then just to do it, I actually did get down to 200 flat. Just because it was like, I have to do it. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't where I wanted to stay. It wasn't the weight I wanted to be at, but just because I thought it was something that was impossible to do, I I wound up doing it. Before I go into this last piece, which is basically just going to review all, I mean, I just outlined a whole bunch of the things that you mentioned and it sounds great. I just want to review that. Um, but this last thing, and and then you mentioned a great thing. And, and it's one of the things that was going through my mind when you were mentioning, um, like each, um, what's the word? Each layer, like went from 250 to 230 to 220, 217. Let's say you someone has a goal, right? Let's say, I think, did you have a goal already to go from 250 to 205? I forgot if you said yes. The ultimate goal, yes, was to, the ultimate goal, honestly, was to get down to the a weight lift, uh, the weight class below the one I had been competing at, which is Got 205. It. Got it. So you had already, you had aimed but I think something that I'm learning now too with this conversation is sometimes, let's say, right, like you, you aim for two, 200, 205. You got to 200, you're like, eh, kind of don't like how I feel. You know, this doesn't necessarily work out for me or it's not sustainable. Whatever the decision was, let me go up again. 
because I think a lot of times for people, um, they set a marker, right? And you can get really, what's the word? This is probably not politically correct, but OCD with that number. Because if you don't get to that number, you're a failure. Or if you don't get to that number, it doesn't, like everything you worked up to doesn't matter. But I think going back to kind of the, the concept that we talked about is you're human, right? You might get to, and I'm using Alex's situation here, 250, you get to 230, you're like, eh, you know, 230, I like how I feel. I think this is really manageable. Um, I just like this. Yeah, I set up for 200, but you know what? I think 230 is good. Let me stay here for however long or, you know, let me get, let me get down to another 10 pounds. Um, I think that's really where it's going to be. That's where the magic number is going to be. Um, basically, what I'm trying to say is that it's okay to kind of change your, I don't know if it's change your mind or to, I don't know what the word is, but you might set out to lose weight or gain a particular muscle or, or, or muscle mass or whatever it is, or, or gain a particular skill, but it's okay to kind of pivot along the way. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Like it's okay to not necessarily go all the way. And that might not, that might not have been where you wanted to go originally. Like, I don't know how I want to say that. Basically well, it's okay to change your mind. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I did as I was losing weight was I, I had been 230 for so long that in my head, it was just like, oh, I look great at 230. Mm-hmm. So when I got to 250, I was like, oh, my God, it looked terrible. So then when I got back down to 230 or in that range, I was like, OK, I look great. And then I got to 220. I'm like, OK, well, I look better than I did at 230. Mm-hmm. Then when I got to 215, I was like, OK, I look better than I did at 220. So I was using my my eyeballs and my common sense to 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 say to myself, OK, where do you look good at? And obviously once you start losing that much weight, you start getting a lot of reactions from different people, people who haven't seen you in a long time, you know, people of the opposite gender, where you're getting this feedback of, oh, you know, I lost five more pounds, I'm getting more compliments. And yes, it's facetious. And yes, it's shallow. But the reality is, that's a big motivating factor. Mm-hmm. When you're a guy and a girl tells you, wow, you look great. That is like, I'm going to double down on my diet. and I'm going to work twice as hard now. Right. So I just kept doing that until I got to when I got to 205, I was like, OK, I look I look pretty good here. When I got to 200, I, I was like, Ugh, all right, I, I don't like the way I look here. I feel like, you know, I mean, I have a, I have a pretty big head. So if my shoulders and my arms don't look big, I, I look like a popsicle. So I was like, I don't like the way I look. So I started again within reason, just. I switched my workout up. I started focusing on building more muscle and working my, you know, my upper body out, my shoulders, everything like that. I changed my diet up slightly. I started adding a little bit more of the stuff that I hadn't. Uh, I don't want to say I had forbidden myself to eat, but the things that I had avoided up until that point. So I haven't, I mean, like I said in the intro, I sit right in between 205 and 210 now. But I feel like I look much heavier than I am because mm-hmm. I've I've changed the way my physique up top is structured. So I feel like that's an important thing too is is don't get locked into a simple number. And I, and I this is this is going to be uh, if any of your female followers are listening, if they take one thing away from this entire is 
entire podcast is do not get locked into a certain number on the scale. The scale is one of the worst ways to gauge whether or not you're making progress. Like one of the things that I did um, actually was to go shopping for pants. I had not been like I, I knew I, I had lost a lot of weight. I realized that because the, the pants that I that used to be my skinny pants were really baggy on me. But I, I didn't really grasp the amount of weight I had lost until I went to go buy new pants and I had to, I had to buy a 33 waist pants. I, I've never purchased pants smaller than a 34 ever in my life. And when I, I, I got to 33, I was like, holy crap. Like, I didn't really realize how, how far I had come until it was at that point. Did you double check all the pants and make sure that 33? <laughs> Dude, I took a... This has got to be... This has got to be... Wrong. I took a size 34 into the dressing room thinking... Uh, I took a 34 and a 36 into the dressing room. Thinking, okay, I'll try on the 36. And if that is a little, you know, a little bit loose, I'll grab the 34s. I took... I put the 36 on. I'm like, I, I look like I looked in high school when I was wearing size 40, you know, uh, size 40 jeans put the 34s on I'm like these are still too big like this has to be wrong like there's no way I'm, I'm a I took a 32 and a 33 into the into the dressing room the 32s were a little tight the 33s fit perfect but this is when I was like two at that point I was a little bit heavier than I am now so now I'm probably a 32 but I'm not going to be rebuying my my wardrobe every you know every 10 pounds or so so the 33s have to work for now yeah, I think you summed it up very well because I could not put into words is don't let the number dictate your your goal. I mean, set a goal because you, you need to have attainable goals and kind of have that vision uh, long picture. But at the end of the day, don't let that thing, you know, don't let the 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 um, the scale dictate where you want to go. You know, ultimately, you know, if you're feeling good, uh, you're seeing progress, um, you know, you feel healthy, you're moving well, all those things, like all those things check out, um, then you're doing well. And maybe you reach to where you want to reach, or maybe you get down to what your goal was and you realize, okay, maybe, you know, maybe that's too much, or maybe that was too, you know, maybe that's not enough. You know, I know I can go a little bit lower and I think that's where, where I'm going to get to. Um, so I think the biggest thing is like what Alex mentioned is don't let the, the scale dictate, um, don't let the scale dictate your progress, right? Whether good or bad, right? Let other things also dictate because the scale can be very misleading. Um, and, uh, you know, come to the point is make sure that you're healthy. Make sure you feel good with where you're at. Make sure that um, it's sustainable, right? Make sure that you can, um, those behaviors and those choices that you've made are things that you can continue making. Because um, if it's just like a three-month thing or, four, or even a six-month thing, right? You get to the seventh month, and the changes you've made, the behaviors you've made, the choices you've come up with, the systems you've created are not sustainable. Guess what? You know, in the next six months, you're just going to go back to where you were. But like we talked about, if you're working on changing behavior, if you're working on making better choices, if you're working on being more disciplined, being more accountable, staying consistent, those are all positive things. Yes. Are you going to get to losing weight? Absolutely. Are you going to make better choices of eating? Absolutely. Are you going to be happier with yourself? 100%. Are you going to have... Um, are you, is that going to resonate with people around you? 100%. Are you going to be more successful? Absolutely. The biggest thing is, again, listen to your body. 
be consistent with the things um, and be disciplined on those things. Like, again, I'm just going to run through uh, basically the main topics that we talked about. The just, number one. Yep. Just one, one second, one second. But I just wanted to, to point out something that you said there that's ex- extremely important too. It's that you need to, um, oh man, I lost my train of thought. Um, all right, go ahead. It'll come back to me. Sorry. You, you started with, Andy, that was a great idea. Maybe that that comes up with something. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead. Sorry, Andy. I lost my train of thought. No worries. Um, yeah, I, I just want to outline some of the things we talked about, um, which the first one was Alex talked about is start moving, start training. doesn't have to be super complicated. Just get in the gym and start doing something. Um, and if you have no idea, work with the coach and work your way up slowly. Don't think about lifting heavy immediately. Don't think about burning as many calories as you need to do. Don't think, don't think about all those things. Go to the gym. And I'm talking about as far as like, whether if you want to lose weight, whether you want to start training again, doesn't necessarily matter. Show up, start to do little, um, start little and work your way up. The second one was um, like Alex mentioned, it actually goes with the choices, but he talked about meal prepping and um, being more disciplined with your foods, right? Doesn't have to be super crazy, right? Just make better choices when it comes to eating. And if you find that difficult, then start to cook for the rest of, or for like the full week. And then you can have better, you have op- opportunity to make better choices because you're planning uh, beforehand. We didn't go too much into meal prepping. That can go into like another podcast. But the idea is set yourself up for success, whether you're making your meals beforehand or you're going to a place where you can make good choices. The third one was be or self-discipline 100%. If you're not self-disciplined, you can be motivated to start certain things, but there's going to be a point where you're going to get bombarded with negative options or bad choices, however you want to name them. And you have to be disciplined to stay on the path that you chosen, right? Or, uh, like the mountain that, that Alex mentioned. In order to go up, the only way to get to the top of the mountain is to go up. You can't go down. You can't go Actually, technically, you can go sideways if you go up linear, but we're not going to talk about that. That's if you don't hire a coach, then you start going sideways. <laughs> Exactly. So being self-disciplined, that's one of, the, one of the biggest keys. Consistency, like we talked about, move, train, stay consistent, and uh, self-discipline, 100%. doesn't matter what program, who you work with, doesn't matter who you are. You got to be consistent. You have to be self-disciplined. And that's a learned attribute, by the way. You, you know, you can tell somebody, yes, some people are more inclined to staying on the path, but it doesn't mean they don't get bombarded with the same environmental feedbacks right commercials ads you know choices or whatever it is like uh whatever it is that comes up they have those things too but self-discipline is key the other one was accountability and alex mentioned i don't think he really mentioned it but he brought up a point which allowed me to think about this there's two aspects to it self-accountability right which is basically you staying accountable to your results to your goals to the path but also having help right having a coach can help you stay accountable but at the end of the day, all the work gets to you. I usually kind of give the number 80-20. 80% of the accountability is on you. 20% is on the person you're working with. Because obviously they're giving you a program and giving you that guidance. But even 90% sometimes. 90% is on you. Like, doesn't matter. You can have the perfect program. But if you're not putting in the work, it ain't going to happen. And then choices. Good choices, bad choices. Right? You make, uh, Alex mentioned about stacking W's, right? where you are constantly making good choices that if you do make a bad choice, it outweighs, or sorry, the good choices outweigh that one bad choice. Obviously, you don't want to do like 50-50, five good choices, five bad choices, and basically stay in the middle. 
um, you want to stack as many W's as possible. And that's such a good way to think about it because each day you can just think about, all right, I'm going to wake up early, check. I'm going to go into the weight room or go into the training or uh, get to my personal training session, check. I'm going to do my best, great. I'm going to eat a good lunch, a good breakfast, a good dinner, check. Like those are so many, you know, wins that you can stack up that not only get you moving forward, but also help you mentally, um, like as a mental, mental wins. But at the same time, you know, if you make, we talked about bad, bad habits or, or bad choice. If you do make a bad choice, it's not the end of the world. Your next choice, make it a better one. And then the next one, a better one and a better one and a better one. You can always stack those choices or good choices, um, to keep moving forward. Um, I think that's, that's about everything we talked about. Did yeah, I, I do remember what I was going to say now. I, I knew it would come back to me because it was such an important point that you made. I, I can't believe I forgot it. But the key to all of this that we're talking about is making sustainable uh, changes to your lifestyle. And that's one of the big, 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 big points. I can't emphasize that enough that I go over with my clients. This is why fad diets and quick fixes don't work. Because we're not changing the bad habits that got us 10 miles into the woods. And if we don't change those habits, we can't get the 10 miles out. And and I feel like that's something that gets missed a lot with the, oh, I need to lose 30 pounds for a cruise I have coming up. Or I, I want to drop 20 pounds in two weeks because I got to go on spring break. It's like if you don't fix the underlying issues, that change that you make, that happiness that you feel – you're, it's going to be fleeting. You're not going to be able to keep that over the long term. So one of the big, big, big things that I work on my clients with is realizing that there are no bad foods. Are there foods that are not optimal? Yes. But are any foods things that you should not eat no matter what? No. As long as you account for them and as long as you factor them into your overall plan, you can pretty much have whatever you want. Now, The uh, analogy I use quite often is a budget. Do you want to spend a lot of money on a little or do you want to spend a little money on a lot? So if we're eating healthy foods, we get to have stuff that's not really full of calories, but we get a lot of volume of food. So we stay uh, we stay satisfied. On the uh, on the contrary, if we're having junk food, that's very calorie dense. So we're not going to be able to eat a lot and we're going to get a high calorie amount. But if we have 500 calories of junk food or 500 calories of chicken and broccoli, there's still 500 calories. The key is learning that if I have one, I can eat again in three hours because I won't be hungry for the next three hours. The other one is I have to wait now three hours to eat because I'm going to be hungry in the next 20 minutes. So that's one of the things that I really try to drill into my clients' heads is you need to create – sustainable changes because you want this to last whatever work you put in now for the next six months year two years you want to be able to reap the benefits of that for the next 30 40 years of your life and not have it going back to what you were talking about earlier about brushing your teeth and waking up like you want to have to think about these things you want to just know okay yeah i can have this because i ate well for five days in a row so if I want to have that, I want to sit down and have a beer and eat chicken wings when I watch the Dolphins play, that's perfectly fine. Because right after I do that, my next meal that night is going to be a good meal. My next meals on or my meals on Monday are going to be good meals. 
Like I'm not going to have this lapse of three, four, five days of eating poorly and not exercising. I'm going to plan ahead and make sure all my meals are, are exactly the way they should be. I'm going to have my one cheat meal and then I'm going to get right back on it right after that. Not the next day, not the next week, like literally the next meal is going to be a good meal. And then once you do that, going back to what we've been talking about, you keep stacking those wins over and over and over again. Those minor losses don't mean anything. Absolutely. No matter what goal you're trying to reach, lose weight, gain muscle, you know, get faster, get stronger, whatever it is, the blueprint is the same. Consistency, self-discipline, accountability, good choices versus bad choices, right? We want to create that system. We want to create those good behaviors to last that sustainability. Perfect. Alex, how can the listeners uh, reach out to you? You guys can get to me through Instagram. My Instagram is at underscore Southland underscore. Um, I have all my information, my email, my phone number on there. It's a, it's a business page. So feel free to DM me or text me with any questions you guys have. Or feel free to come by the gym. I give all new clients a free week to try it out. So you're under no obligation to sign up. If you want to just come in for a week, pick my brain, get a good workout in, you're more than welcome. Awesome. And I'll make sure to click or click. You can click the link below because it should be there in the description box uh, as far as getting to Alex's Instagram page. Um, he did recommend a few books. I usually ask each guest to recommend some books. Um, the first one was Science and Practice of Strength Training. This is probably not for every person that's trying to get Absolutely not. <laughs> not for everyone. Um, I guess that should have been a disclaimer beforehand. So a lot of these books are probably not for the person like well, the this, client. The Maybe well, for the coach or, or the... Yeah, the science and practice of strength training, unless you are in the field and you're one of those people that wants to go down the rabbit hole of yeah. training, by all means, it's one of the best science-based books on strength training, like um, basically Eastern European strength mm -hmm. training. It's excellent, but it's definitely not going to be for everybody. Absolutely. The second one was The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. What's that about? So that is basically a book on business. Mm. And that was one of the – that book and uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill were the two first business books that were recommended to me that I actually read. Um, the E-Myth I actually like quite a bit. And you'll see this also in the third book that I recommended. Yeah. Um, he basically takes – it's – he is talking to someone who is trying to run a small business and is relating stories of how certain aspects of business can be um, or certain challenges in business can be overcome by relating it back to little anecdotes that he's giving this person. And for me, when I first started off in business, it really changed the way I thought about what running a business is because to be quite honest, the hardest part of going into business for yourself is the actual business side. It's mm -hmm. not the thing that you love doing. It's not the training or the massage therapy or the nutrition. That stuff's fun. Like that's why you got into this. But keeping the doors open and keeping the lights on is the difficult part. And if you're not well-versed enough in sales and business to actually sustain a business, uh, you're not, you're not going to have a good time. Right. You're not going to be able to do what you love. No. The third one was Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. And yeah. Leif Bagman. Leif, I can't even say yeah. the last 
Leif Babin. Yeah, if if there's any book that that can be that I I wholeheartedly recommend to everyone, it's that one. That is by far I feel the best piece of literature I've ever read. And the reason I say that is because every single thing we talked about today with self uh, self-discipline, accountability, leadership, you know, just all of those things is all wrapped up in that book. And I read that book probably two years ago. So I was already had been in business for myself uh, for quite some time. And he actually relates a lot of the, a lot of the topics he goes over to his time as a Navy SEAL and how that applies to business. Hmm. And it's very rare that I get a, a book that makes me completely change my perspective on topics or situations. And this is one of the books that did just the way he gets you to look uh, the, 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 I guess the, the lens he gets you to look through on how to be a leader, starting with being a, basically a good soldier is, is excellent. And it's not, this is not like a, I can apply this to business. I can apply this to, to, to working out to anything like that. This is a book for life, like just how to view challenges you are presented in everyday life and basically how to have the correct mindset to overcome them. It's excellent. I can't recommend that book enough. Awesome. And you should see the links um, for the books down below in the description box in the case that you want to read them. The next part is speed round, Alex. If you have a couple more minutes, um, just a few questions to, you know, to throw your way. Um, basically, speed round, you only have like 10 seconds. I have no timer here. So you can technically, you can take longer, but that kind of takes out the fun. Okay. The idea is for me to just shoot questions at you and then um, you have to answer them. All Not right. too crazy, just to get, them, get to know you a little bit more, at least for the audience. Um, and you never know, some of these questions, I might learn more about you myself as well. And then the last part is thanks. Okay, I just kind of give a, a special thanks for the podcast and then we'll call it up. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, first question. What is your greatest fear? Failure. All right, very common. Top three things on your bucket list. What are they? Uh, I want to go on an African safari to see like wildlife in Africa, go okay. uh, shark diving in wow. Australia. And I really don't have a third thing. Those two things are pretty much two of the biggest things I want to do. Wow. Okay. Um, last movie you saw, whether in the in the movie theater, Netflix, whatever. You get your uh, last movie I watched was Sicario. Sic- Which one's that one? It's about the uh, Mexican uh, drug oh, drug lords yes. in um, Arizona. Yes, 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 yes. Good movie. That's pretty good. Um, last question here: What's your favorite, or who's your favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? Uh, he's a villain, but it's Bane. Really? You like Bane? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He's badass, especially uh, I forgot the actor's name, but how he played him in the Batman. Oh, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Is yeah. That that uh, that was the first. So just. A little aside to going over my 10 seconds here. The first movie I had seen in the theaters since Men in Black was uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Wow. And Bane was by far and away my favorite character. And I'm not I'm not much of a like comic book guy, like superhero guy. But that character just 
the lines from the movie, the way he was, he's jacked. So yeah, if I lose enough weight, I'll, I'll be Bane every single, uh, Bane or God of War for every single Halloween from here on. There it is. There it is. Awesome. So you did great job in your speed round. Great job. This last part is thanks. And I first like to say thank you to Alex, our guest. Thank you so much for taking the time to jump on here and, and just to really talk about your own um, journey as well. But not only that, but the journey that you have with your clients, um, not only does it help me learn as well, but also to the listeners to learn um, everything when it comes from training, mindset, nutritional aspects, behavior. Thank you very much for jumping on the podcast, Alex. No problem, Andy. Anytime. The second thank you goes to our listeners. Thank you very much for giving us a platform to have great guests like Alex and just to kind of share knowledge um, and provide value. So thank you very much um, for taking the time to listen. You could have been doing anything at this moment, but you took the time to uh, jump in and uh, listen to this episode. And the last thank you goes to our clients, our students, our patients, pretty much anyone who we get to work with on a daily basis. Thank you very much uh, for seeing the value in what we do, whether it's coaching, training, rehab, whatever it is. Thank you very much for um, giving us the opportunity to do what we love. Um, Yeah, thank you very much. With that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and see you on the next episode. Hold up.